All right, everyone, have a seat, please. Good morning. Welcome to Bridge Fellowship. I want to say a shout out to uh, one of our Sp Spaniard uh, corporal military folk that's out there watching us online right now. Um, you know who you are, so I just wanted to say hi to you. Uh, good morning. Um, I think we have some announcements, but we'll probably do that at the end. Um, my name is Jeff Reiser. Uh, I'm the elder over our K-12 ministry at the bridge, and uh, myself and Parker Stringer are going to be uh, bringing the message this morning. Uh, we're glad you're here. Um, can I say uh, good morning to you guys, and you guys say good morning back? Good morning. All right, man, everybody's here. Uh, I'll tell you what, too. The last time I, I got the privilege to speak, um, there was a big hole in the middle, and uh, it is actually shored up this morning, and it, that's, that's like a thrill. David would always tell us about how he'd look out and just see this huge vacuum in the middle, and it would, like, play mind games with him. And so that's all starting to fill out, so uh, that's pretty cool. But um, thanks for being here. Uh, so every year about this time, Parker and I uh, get together. Uh, we do a student lock-in at the end of the summer to get, like, all the kids and students um, ready to go back to school. And so um, we always talk about going back, hitting on all cylinders, kind of like a New Year's resolution, but it's not really a resolution. It's just trying to encourage our kids to get their minds right for Christ, to go back and be good representatives in the school of Jesus. And uh, we were getting ready for, uh, we have our student event next Friday. Um, David takes about se every seven to eight weeks, he takes a weekend off um, to get refreshed and recharged because that's a heavy load to bring a message to you guys every weekend. And so we really believe that it's uh, very uh, healthy mentally and spiritually for him to get a little bit of time off. And so um, we were trying to figure out who was going to do the message this time. And Parker and I were preparing for our student event. And uh, we were talking about kind of the same thing that we always talk about, going back to normal, going back to normal. And it just kind of hit us that, man, normal stinks. I mean, normal is really not a good deal. And I'm not even on the right slide. So um, bear with me here. There we go. So uh, when we're talking about this, we're talking about how bad our normal really is in this country and in, and in this world and how uh, Jesus did not want us to live a life of normalcy. And so... Um, our message today is going to be geared around that, and I just want to say, you know, our American local culture is geared around normal. Everything we do is geared around normal. So some of the things that we've been hearing about lately, um, we'll, we'll talk about lukewarm church here in a minute, but our, the political divide in this country is unlike anything I've ever seen in my adult life. Um, I know there's been political divides in history, don't get me wrong, but in my adult life, it is, it's off the change, no matter where you fall politically. COVID-19, got the economy, the face masks, everything it's doing to our nation and then this world. It, it's a polarizing topic, and all everyone's talking about is when this pandemic's going to be over, when, when everything gets back to normal. Well, so what? If it gets back to normal, normal's not good, okay? We're going to talk about that here in a minute. Moral slide in America. So more and more, and uh, homosexuality transgender it's accepted now right it's a moral slide we have the cursing that's on tv now the the stuff that they show on pg-13 movies now compared to what it was 15 years ago it's disgusting it, it really is the music that's out there now the stuff that myself and all of you guys are subjected to it, it's it's like a toilet bowl 
It really is. It, it's, it's absolutely disgusting, and that's our normal. That's what everybody wants to get back to is normal, normal, normal. And so we wanted to use this time, Parker and I did, to bring you guys a message to reset what normal, our, our normal expectations could be because we kind of thought, man, in a church our size, if we can reset what our normal is supposed to be in, in honor of Jesus, dude, we could change the world. We could change the world, and so that's what we're going to be hanging on today. I'm not going to hang out on this, but just take a quick snapshot at this. And these are a bunch of random stats um, that I looked up. And, I mean, I'm telling you there were thousands of these. These just kind of, this is a plethora of junk that gives you a snapshot of our society. We want to change. And uh, we're going to talk about how we do that today. And so, having said that, uh, we're going to dive into what breaking normal looks like. See here, I'm just going to take one of these. Shot, I have my mic on. There we go. Cool. Yeah, we're doing the thing. Awesome. Yeah, so let's get right into it today. Jeff, I assume we already pray. I'm sorry I got in here a little late. Yeah, cool. God, I just thank you for the ability to just come up here and just talk about your word, God. I thank you for your word, God. And so just now in this moment, God, I just pray that you just kind of slow us down a little bit. God, that you remove every distraction, God, whether, whether it's things from work or, or just uh, what we're eating uh, after this service, God, that you remove these distractions, God, and just, just rest your spirit on us. God, let us just take in your word today, God, and bring us conviction. God, bring us conviction that comes from your spirit. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. You ever pray, amen. <clears throat> All right, guys, so today we're going to be getting straight into the book of Revelation. Cool. And before, like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, and before we get nervous or anything else, and we're not talking about, like, apocalyptic stuff, anything crazy, nothing confusing or anything else. We're just going to be in, in chapter 2. But before we do that, I want to talk about what happens in, in chapter 1. You see, the book of Revelation is, is, is written by a man named John, possibly the Apostle John. We don't really know, but if this was the Apostle John, he'd be about 75 years old at the time of, of writing this. And this started, it says, he was in the spirit, he was praying on the island of Patmos, which is an island amongst a bunch of other islands between modern day, like Greece, like Athens, Greece, and modern day Turkey, which is referred to back in the day as Asia Minor. And he was exiled there by the Romans, by the Roman government for preaching the word of God. So he was exiled there. He was there for at least five years, I believe, if I remember correctly. And so while he was here, it says that he was in the spirit, and he turns around, and boom, somebody's there. Jesus is there, right? And it's not just like human Jesus, which you can't just say it's just like human Jesus, but it's Jesus in his full glory. And I would love to be able to put those verses up. We don't have time for it today, but just the way he describes it is really, really cool, and explaining it would be great for another day. But he's seeing Jesus in his full glory, and after worshiping him for a moment, Jesus says, John, write this to the seven churches. And that's where we're going to start today. So Jesus says to the church in Ephesus, that's my name, <laughs> right there. I don't remember putting that there, but that's my name. <laughs> Jesus says to the church in Ephesus, which is the same church that is being written to in the book of Ephesians. That's Jeff's name. Uh, can we go to the, Revel hold on, let's try this again. No. This is forward. Sean, can you fix that? 
Cool. Let me read the verse to you. It says, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. We start off with that. It's probably the longest of my verses. Whatever. Uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll just move on with it. So in, in Revelation chapter 2, it, it says, I, uh, Jesus tells John to write this to the church in Ephesus. He says, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people and that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and you have not grown weary. My God, if Jesus said that to me, I would be ecstatic, right? Because that is awesome, right? Like these guys are, are killing it right now, according to Jesus. To put that in kind of modern day terms, that's a little loud, I think. No? Okay, cool. Yeah, to put that into modern day terms, this church is just killing it. Like the attendance, like right now, is just packed, right? Like everybody is tithing the right way. Like the, not me, but like David, like he's just preaching the word of God. Everybody, like everyone, all of us knows the doctrine, is able to preach it and teach it out and amongst uh, the community and everything else. Our programs are awesome. Once again, the tithing and, and how we're giving. Like it's just this church is just doing everything right. But... There's always a but, right? There's always a but. In this case, there's not actually a but. It's actually a, a, a yet. And Jesus says, yet, I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. So Jesus is holding one thing against his church in Ephesus, is that they lack love. They lack love. And then he says one more thing after that. He says, if you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Yeah, that's Pergamum. Hey, you, you can just eliminate it. I don't need it. He says, anyway, he says, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. And this right here, like, as far as this lesson goes, this is like the first time where you see this like weird revelation stuff that has to have like an explanation. And so yeah, what we didn't talk about earlier is that when John turned around and he saw Jesus, he also saw what, what was said as seven golden lampstands that represented the seven churches that John was to write to. And, and, and so what Jesus is saying here is that if you don't repent of this, if you don't fix this one thing, you're done. You're done. And I know we're in the book of Revelation, so what I'm not saying here, or what I don't think it's saying here at least, is that Jesus is going to send like this earthquake and just swallow them whole, right? Like, but, but just once again, let's put this in the modern day context. Like, How, are, how do churches die off, honestly? Right? There's, there's, there's a, a ton of ways. We, we probably have 30 churches within a 10-mile radius of, this, of, of here, right? And how do they die off? Sometimes just the congregation gets older, and they literally die off because they're not bringing anyone, anyone else new in, right? Sometimes it's because of bad leadership, division. Like, there, there's a multitude of reasons. We've all seen it. And that's what I think Jesus is saying here today, is that if you don't fix this, I'm out. Because he already is out. Because they lack love. The thing is, though, this seems a little harsh, right? Like, these guys are doing everything else right. They're not just, like, apathetically coming once a Sunday. These guys are doing the deal every day. They believe the right things. They're saying the right things. They're doing the right things. And so is that not harsh to say that if you don't fix this, you're done? To answer that, I think we have to take a, a few steps back. 
when Jesus was in his fully human body in the book of Matthew. So what Jesus is, is doing here, just to set up a little bit more of a backstory, is that uh, he wasn't arguing, kind of, but, but the, the Sadducees, the Jewish religious elite, were arguing with him, like, like the religious elite did. Like we, we, we hear about this just about every other Sunday, right? Where they're, they're trying to prove him wrong, they're arguing, they're, they're telling him whatever they like, they're, hey, they're just arguing, right? And what does he do? He silences them in their argument. And so the Pharisees hear that, they come and they're trying to get some too. And, and then it says that a scribe asked Jesus this question. It says, teacher, which is the great, greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your, all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And then he adds another thing in there. So he adds this for free. We say that all the time, right? He adds this for free. He says, and the second is like this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depends all the law and the prophets. As I was studying for this, uh, reading specifically the book of the Revelation, uh, just on the commentary, uh, a lot of the commentators seem to be split on, on what exactly Jesus meant as far as having a love. Like, what, what, what kind of love did they lose? And, and, and a lot of them would say, like, oh, they lost their, their passion for Christ. They lost their passion for God, right? That was about half. And the other half were saying that, oh, well, they, they lost their, their passion. They, they weren't going out amongst the community and reaching out to the least and the lost and the poor, or they lost their love for, for each other, other Christians, but I think if you go back in Jesus' teaching, the answer to that is just, yeah, it's both of them, right? You can't have one without the other. This is, what I, this is what I think Jesus is saying here, is that you cannot truly love someone if you don't love God first. And you don't truly love God if you don't have a love for those who are made in his image. So the brilliance uh, of these two phrases, these two axioms, is that Jesus is condensing down the entirety of these scribes, these teachers, these religious elite, everything that they've studied, all, all, everything that they've tried to make complicated so that other people can't come in, so that people have to elevate themselves to be like them. He, he's, he's condensed everything down into two simple sentences. And I would even argue today that, that the entire Bible rests on these two ideas. The issue, though, is that some of us, some of us can love God like we love our car insurance. We don't think about it much. We want to put the absolute minimum we can into it, and we only want to pull it out when something bad happens. The issue is that that's not what we're called to do. We're not called to just come up here once a week and get fed, and that be the only time you get fed the whole week. We're called to be followers of Christ. I would imagine most people in here identify as a Christian. We, we held Christian beliefs. We would call ourselves Christians. We call ourselves followers of Christ. I, and, and if you believe that, if you say, hey, I, I've, I've been saved by Jesus Christ. I know where I'm going when I die. Then I'm telling you, you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. The term disciple is not for some upper echelon, like church leadership position. That is for every single one of us. 
And what that means is that we don't just come to church. We don't just read the Bible. The point of that is that we want to be like Jesus. We want to walk like him. We want to talk like him. Everything that he was about, we want to be about. He is our number one priority. The question I have here, though, is is that if someone would look at your life from the outside looking in, would they be able to tell that you live a life that you follow someone that has commanded their people to act like this, that you were to love God with everything that you have, and that you were to love people. Not yourself, you were to love people. Let me ask this in a different way. Where is God on your list of priorities right now? When you wake up in the morning, is he the first thing you think about? How about this? In the morning when you're planning your day, whether you're going to work, you're taking care of kids, whatever it is, where is God in your list of priorities as you're figuring out what you're going to be doing throughout the day, week, month, and year? Let me ask it a little bit differently. What is more important to you than prayer right now? What are you putting off so that you don't have to pray as much as you know we're called to? What is distracting you right now from reading the Bible? Do you have a distraction? Do you find yourself, you're tired after coming home from a long day, or you're tired from watching the kids all day? I know that is, right? It's 8, 9 o'clock, the kids are in bed, and you got your phone, and you're scrolling. You got the TV, and it's just playing nothing. You haven't read your Bible yet. What are you putting in front of God's Word? There's an issue, though. I think if some of us have to really be honest with ourselves, and before I say this, this isn't, this isn't me judging because I've been here as well, is that some of us don't care. So we don't care. We don't care about making God a priority. We don't care uh, about making prayer a priority. We don't care about making other people a priority or reading the Word of God. We just don't. For some of us, we want to come on Sunday. We want to do the things that we agree to, And then we want to put God in this little box over here. And so we're going to live kind of this Christian life. But when it comes to my friend group, uh, you know, God doesn't need to touch that, right? Like that's that's over here. This is my thing. When it comes to our our finances, when it comes to the kind of entertainment that we enjoy, like we we want to put God in, in this little box over here and we just want to keep what we have to ourselves instead of giving us, giving everything to him completely. Another issue, though, that I think is just as common. Once again, not judging because I felt this. I've been walked through with this, is that some of us do care. We do feel that stirring. We feel that want. There always seems to be something blocking it. Why is that? And typically, our response is, you know what, like, I know I need to read my Bible, so I'm going to start this devotional, I'm going to buy it, and I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to power my way through it. I'm just going to start a prayer time in the morning, and I'm just going to power my way through it, which is great. That's great. We should be doing those things, but that's only half the equation. And the answer to that is actually not too far from this stage every other time that I'm not here, right? It's, it's, it's David. He'll come up here. He'll come up here really slowly, right? And he'll kind of slow down everything, and he'll talk very slowly. And he'll, he'll say this one thing that I think is so important. So God, stir in my heart and affection for you. Some of us just aren't asking for it. 
So if you feel this kind of dead weight, like, you know, like, hey, I, I believe this, I care, but there's just constantly something that is getting in the way. All you have to do is ask and unlock for it. God, stir in my heart an affection for you. Holy Spirit, renew my communion with the Father and the Son today. I can tell you how my day is going to go by how I pray in the morning just off of that. For those of you that are struggling to getting into the Word of God, it, is as, it can be as simple as, God, make me want your Word. Reveal to me something new about you today, God. Let me learn something new. God, let me be excited about your Word. Ask Him for it. I've prayed this exactly. God, I don't want to talk to you right now. Just being honest. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to pray. I don't want to do this. There is something else I'd rather be doing. It could be as mundane as watching TV. God, I don't want to talk to you right now. But I need you. I know I need you. I don't want to admit it, but I know I need you. God, fix my heart. Fix my heart. But for some of you, there may be something else that's keeping you from loving God completely. And the answer is actually right there. Sean, if you can get me to my next verse. It's in uh, John chapter 4. Let me see if I can. Yeah, there we go. So it says here, we love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he's a what? He's a liar. And we have this command from him, the one who loves God must also love his brother and his sister. And to clarify here, the brother and the sister is not just, hey, the people that are in this room, the people that think like us or look like us or talk like us or live around us in some way. A brother and our sister is anyone made in God's image. We are to love everyone as Jesus what? As he loved everyone. The thing is, is that we don't do that very well. I'll be honest with you guys. I don't do that very well. <laughs> we don't. So I brought a little example with me, a prop. <laughs> in my pocket, I'm 31 years old. In my pocket, I hold on me what I think is the most controversial piece of clothing that I have ever experienced in my life. <laughs> At least amongst the church. And by, by the church, I mean by, by Christian people, people who go to church. How about that? People who go to church, most controversial piece of clothing. I have lived in a time where we encourage our young men and women to embrace their sexuality, to wear less and less to, to put on more and more vulgar, vulgar clothing and to use our bodies as a billboard for evil. And yet still, in my pocket, as far as what the church is arguing about, I have something I think that we have been more outspoken on. <laughs> it's a mess. It's a mask. It's the same one that we have to, if we want to go into Walmart or Applebee's, we got to wear this, right? And, and just a real quick aside, like it just, I'll, I'll have something else to say. I, I have a bit of an issue with this as well, because if you look at the sign, uh, you're going to Applebee's, if you look at the sign that says, hey, this thing is required, it's usually like right here, right? If you look right over uh, next to that, there's typically a, shirt, uh, a, a sign that also says what? No shoes, no shirt, no service. And, man, I don't want to wear even one of them, if we're being honest here, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and so the issue is, before, before you pull up any kind of defenses, before you, you're, like, you're, you're, you're like getting in your head like, man, hey, I'm about to disagree with this dude, and I'm going to shut him down as soon as he's done, he gets off this stage. Hey, let's just throw a couple things out there right now. First of all, 
I don't care about your political opinion, and you do not have to care about mine. There we go. And I am not going to use the stage to, to throw that out there. And, and I don't care about what website or where on the internet you've gotten any kind of opinion on any kind of science referring to anything. And, and, and guess what? I'm not going to use the stage either to do that. And, and so we, we do not have to be defensive. You, you're not going to have to uh, come to me after this and, and tell me how wrong I am. But there is something that I've noticed whenever we, we speak out of things, for and against, our, our language when we're talking about this. It's always about me. We talk about how this infringes on my rights. If you don't wear this, then that bothers me. I don't want to wear this. I don't like it. I just want to go to the movies. How are you going to shut everything down? I want to do this. It's always about me, 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 me. It's, it's never about how this may affect other people, whether we wear it or we don't. It, it, it's not about, there, there's no concern about how others may feel about it. Let me tell you about my experience with this thing. I'm a fireman. I cannot tell you how many times I've been thanked for wearing one of these, coming into somebody's home. Say, hey, this, this makes me feel more comfortable wearing it when I'm wearing it, because they're scared. They haven't been outside of their home for months. Let's move on to our next verse. And so this is Paul. This is in the book of Romans. It says, it is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything to cause your brother to stumble. We, we can get into this verse. I think I'm running out of time. But the, the thing, the, the, the idea that I want to pull out of this is Paul isn't saying that we should become vegetarians. We all know that we can eat meat. We can do these things and it's okay. Right? But he is saying, he is talking about how we should put others first even if we are right. I'm going to say that again. We should put others first, even if we're in the right. This is the attitude that a follower of Christ has. If you haven't caught on to this yet, I'm going to say this in a different way. My point here had nothing to do about that mask. I don't care what you do or don't do. But the attitude that you should have should not be about yourself, how you feel about things, and where you're at with it. This is the mindset, once again, of someone who walks in Christ. Let me ask you something. When Paul is being beaten and stoned within an inch of his life, do you think that there was a single concern from him about how his rights were being violated? How his humanity and his dignity were being violated. No. No. Because he loved God first, and because of that, he loved others. And so he would put himself in danger and harm, even when he was right. But here's the thing. So many of us are wasting the gifts that God has given us. I see this on social media. I hear it in conversation. I just, I hear it all the time. We would rather preach the truth of our politics than preach the truth of the gospel. If you can get on social media and tell everyone else how they're wrong, you can preach the gospel. I'm not saying don't do the other one, but I'm telling you, you have a gift and you can use it for God. We would rather equip ourselves to argue for and teach our own opinion than to be able to understand and teach the word of God. My question here is, what are we spending our time doing? Does our time point more to us loving ourselves? Or does it point to a love 
for God and his people. So why do I mention this? Because Jeff just got up here, and he was talking about, hey, we're talking about like getting back to normal, and we're getting back into school, and then all of a sudden, I just kind of took a left turn, right? That's right. So I took that turn. <laughs> I was going for y'all's left. Why do I mention this? The thing is, is, is as a Christian, we are called to follow Christ in his footsteps. We're called to love him, to be absolutely crazy about him. We should want to act like him, to walk like him, to talk like him. We need him daily, hourly, by the minute. We're not called to just go to church once a week and then put Jesus in his little box until we need him again in seven days. We're not called to just identify as Christians with Christian beliefs. We're not called to just be an evangelical voting block. We're supposed to be all about Jesus. And just like the church in Ephesus, we can do all the right things. We can say all the right things. We can be right. But if we are not crazy in love with the one who is love, then you, you are stealing me. We're stealing the power, the healing, and the change that you can bring within yourself, that you can bring within your family and this community that we love. If you don't have the love that David has been preaching about here it, it, for, for weeks, months, years, I don't, I don't know, the, the stirring of our affection for Christ, if we don't do these things, then the normal that we're hoping to get back to is going to be broken. And here's the thing, guys. It is time to break our normal. The thing is, is I, I think some of us, we, we are compromising our beliefs, and we don't even realize it. in your city where Satan lives. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. I wouldn't want to be them. Guess what? We are. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. There are some, some among you who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin so that they ate food sacrificed to idols and committed sexual immorality. Likewise, you also have those who hold to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Repent, therefore, otherwise I will soon come to you and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who's victorious, I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give that person a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to the one who receives it. So Parker just got up here and explained to you, we were talking about a new normal. We, gotta, we have to break our typical normal and go back to a new normal. That's what we're trying to do here. He did a good job of explaining why our normal is so, so jacked up in America and in this world, okay? So right now I'm going to attempt to tell you, because 
I'm an application guy. Like, how do I take what I just heard and how do I take this to me and to my family and, and then to you guys type of thing and, and apply that so that I can have true life changed as a follower of Jesus. So by show of hands, if you profess Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, please raise your hand. From, from this viewpoint, it kind of looks like almost everybody. So just a little side note, everything I'm about to say is assuming that you believe in Jesus. If you don't believe in Jesus, we can talk about that after the service. I'll stay here for hours and talk to you if you want to. So this is assuming that you believe in Jesus. So a little summary to what we just read. Um, the church was compromising their beliefs. Sound familiar? Uh, the church as a whole, um, all this watered-down Christianity that you hear about, all this little, Parker alluded to it, I'm going to do whatever I want, I'm going to come to church on Sunday. They have some really cool country songs that sing about that a lot. Um, I think they're pathetic. Uh, and then you, you've got our society that literally is, I, I hate to use this word, but it's like a toilet bowl nowadays. It's pathetic. Well, we have the change agents in this room to, to recreate our culture. And so that's the goal. That's what I hope. And it can start here in this community. So my call to you guys, my call to, to myself, my call to Parker, what we were talking about, look, I want to be clear. Parker, you've got some things you need to change. Is that true? I know I do, and I'm going to make some changes. Um, so my call to you guys is are you guys ready to make some changes? Because we're fixing to talk about that. That wasn't good. We're fixing to talk about that. So in, uh, with what's been going on in this world, it's the strongest warning sign I've ever seen in my adult lifetime. I, I alluded to that earlier today, or earlier before Parker got up here. Um, it's got me on my heels. I'm not saying I'm fearful, but I'm fearful for um, our nation. I'm fearful for our culture, and I'm fearful for the future that my kids and your kids have to grow up in. I'm not trying to per, per se be fear-mongering from a physical standpoint. I'm simply concerned for where, where things are going. And so I believe that sitting in this room, we've got the start of what can be a true change for our country and for this community. Having said that, I'm going to tell you a little story. Uh, um, raise your hand if you know who the Griswolds are, okay? So um, if you've ever seen uh, National Lampoons, um, my wife and my kids and I, we've always joked that when we go on vacation, it's, it's kind of it feels like the Griswolds. We're, we're probably being a little hard on ourselves. But um, right before COVID happened, I'm giving you the backstory here. Um, we were going to uh, the, the state basketball tournament. We were going to go down to San Antonio, watch the, the boys go and win the state tournament. And a uh, round of applause should have been in there for that. Um, uh, I think they would have won. But um, we, we were going to go down there and then go to the Grand Canyon. Well, that whole, whoa, I did not mean to do that. Uh, we were going to go uh, to the Grand Canyon, and that was the week that COVID started happening. And I told my wife, I said, look, uh, I don't know if you guys are on Facebook with her, but we, we tow that RV. And so we, before we had an RV, we would just go on vacation, and everything was cool and normal. Then we somehow acquired this RV, and uh, now it's like everywhere you go takes 10 times as long. And so um, our... <laughs> I can go off on a tangent there, but so we're going to the Grand Canyon. It's like 5,000 miles away or something like that, and 
And it's the week of COVID, and they, they canceled the basketball tournament, so we ended up leaving a day later, and like Trump's all over the news, and we're paying attention to it, and he's talking about, you know, we're going to shut this down, shut that down. I'm Googling everything, we're going to shut it down. I don't want to drive like 10,000 miles to the Grand Canyon. We get there, and, and uh, we did the whole hike. We hiked to the bottom, hiked to the top. It's a huge hike. It's, it's really cool. You guys should go. Um, so we get there. And or, uh, we're on our way, and I'm like, Christy, if we get there and they shut this down, I'm going to be really upset with you, and, and uh, this is not going to be good. And, and so she's calling. She's checking on it. Um, they're like, no, we're not going to shut down or whatever. And then we get closer because then I'm all in. We're on our way there and everything. I'm like, well, what's going to happen if we hike down because we paid to sp spend the night at the bottom? I'm like, what if we're hiking down and they tell us you don't have a place to stay? And then, like, it's my responsibility to make sure we can all hike out. Because, like, if, unless you weigh, like, 130 pounds, like, I'm being serious, like, all jokes aside, you're probably not doing that in a day. It's just, it's a, it's a bad deal. So, anyway, we go down, we get to the bottom, we find out there's a blizzard at the top the next morning. And so, um, I'm like, okay, we're going to have to hike out early. And so, we did, and guess what? They shut down the Grand Canyon uh, where we were staying that like we were the last ones to stay there. So we made that by the grace of God. Um, that was really cool. Say all that to say this. Um, then a couple weeks ago, we're going to Galveston. Uh, we go down to Galveston. Um, everything's normal. These are pictures. You guys probably know that um, there was a, a tropical storm coming in. I'm like, really? We're going to plan a trip? And it's like COVID 2.0. Uh, Galveston trip. That's my intro to this story. Having said all that, I thought when I was there, I was walking. We couldn't talk. We went on like an eight-mile hike, and uh, it was so windy you really couldn't talk. And so I'm just I'm just walking along the beach, and um, I see these signs. I come up on these signs. You probably can see this one. It says no swimming, waiting beyond this point, dangerous currents. And I knew that we were preaching this message. And I thought to myself, man, that is like a picture of our culture. Um, if you can try and ride with me here on this a little bit. So out here, as you're looking, there's a hurricane, okay? That hurricane is our culture that we live in. And as believers, we're over here, we're safely on the shore, okay? We're safe, safely on the shore, we're in Christ Jesus. Right here, it talks about these dangerous currents. And so what, when I'm talking about this today, I want you guys to think about what are your currents? What currents, as you go back to school, as you go back to work, as we go back to normal, what are the currents that pull on you? What riptide current pulls on you? So as we're talking about that, or as I'm finishing up today, I want you to be thinking about that because we're going to talk about it right here at the end, okay? And so here's a picture of that hurricane we're right here it's just out there and how dangerous those currents are that can pull you under and suck you in okay so what are you saying jeff uh, get to the point i will because we're, we're getting close to the end what i'm telling you guys is we need to repent like it's plain and simple i don't have anything fancy to say i'm not david i can't sit here and like break down bible verses all day long that's not what i do what i do is encourage people and what i'm telling you guys is we are a broken society. That, that's my newsflash to you. We're broken families, and we need to be better. We need to be different. I'm not talking about behavior modifications either, okay? What I'm talking about is this, Romans 12, 2. 
Do not conform. So think about that current, okay? I don't know what you struggle with. Maybe you're a gossiper. Maybe you're a liar. Maybe you're both. Maybe you struggle with porn. Maybe you're an alcoholic. Maybe you're an abuser. Maybe you're a whatever. What do you struggle with? That is your current. Maybe you have multiple currents. Maybe you need to stay completely out of the ocean, right? Maybe you need to just face first in your Bible for like a long time and then go on the beach and, and toe dip into the ocean. I don't know what it is. Everybody in here is different. All that matters is that you do an about face, which is what repenting is. You repent from your ways, and you turn around and you walk the other way towards Jesus. Okay? That's what I'm trying to get you guys to do. That's what I'm going to do. We're fixing to talk about it here in a minute. I, I encourage everyone in here to do that. That is what's going to change our culture. It starts with individual relationships with Jesus, individual change with Jesus, and then it starts in the family, then it starts in the community, and it goes outward from there. That's what we're talking about. All right? So do not conform, which is the current, to the pattern. Those are your riptides, okay? Those riptides will pull you away from where God's trying to, to, to take you, all right? It'll pull you away from safety under those deadly waters of this world. So whatever your riptide is, stay away from it. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, renewed. Jesus will renew you from the inside out. I've been hearing about that forever. How do I do that? We're going to talk about that here in a minute. By the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. Some people, we talk to students about this all the time, then you will be able to test and approve. Some of you guys and students don't know what God's will is for your life. You're totally numb to what God's trying to do in your life because you're living in sin. you got to repent. You have to, it starts with a relationship with Jesus, and you've got to repent from your sin, or you're never going to be hitting on all cylinders with God. It's just not going to happen. And so when you do these things, when, when you don't conform, when you repent, when you turn towards God and you try to pursue him, which it's called obey, let's just say what it is, we have to obey him. Okay, nobody likes to say that anymore. We have to be obedient to his authority in our lives. So we have to obey him, and then we have to renew our mind. Well, how do you do that? How do we renew our minds? Pick up his word. It's that simple? Yeah, it's that simple. It's the living word of God. You consume it. You eat it. You meditate on it as much as you can, as much as you need to. Parker, I love what you said earlier. I'm telling, I was telling the elders this morning, I struggle with picking up the Bible. It is what, it's easy for me to pray. I pray all the time. I do little micro prayers, nano prayers, whatever. I've been trying to get really good at like just praying in that moment. I stink at reading the Bible straight up. But I do, by the grace of God, I get to do enough of it preparing to teach and stuff that, you know, it, it gets me by. I need to be better at it, frankly. I just do. As an elder at this church, I'm just telling you, I need to be better at reading the Bible. Um, that's, that's one of my personal goals. My wife's a rock star at it. Parker's a rock star at it. David's a rock star at it. Chuck is too. So I can go around this room. But that's my thing. We have to consume the word. And guys, to change this world, we have to go tell people about Jesus. That's, that's how we do, that's how we change the world.
I mean, honestly, by show of hands, I'm a show of hands guy. I, I am. It's student ministry too long. I got yeah, because I try and make them feel bad by pointing them out. Oh, <laughs> I do that a lot. I won't do that in here. I'll try not. To. But seriously, this could be powerful if we just are honest right now. By show of hands, when's the last time you told somebody about Jesus? Hey, well, let me rephrase that. In the last month, who in here has told somebody about Jesus, the actual gospel message? Seriously. I, lo- I love the honesty. I love the honesty. But think about that. And I'm not trying to beat up on anybody because, again, we're all good at certain things. I mean, my gosh, guys. As a, as a church, that was pathetic frankly okay not pointing anybody out i'm just saying it was pretty bad now that's verbally telling people guess what man we're doing this other stuff that we're just sitting here talking about do you not think that if i'm living this out then my actions aren't pointing to people towards jesus you could definitely preach the gospel by how you live your life for sure so all this kind of works in tandem right Normal is broken by being not of this world. Some of you guys may know this logo. Um, it's a, I'm just kind of full disclosure, I took this as an image off the, it's one of my favorite, they make t-shirts and stuff, Christian t-shirts. I think it's a cool logo. Cool tattoo even, maybe. Don't get mad at me moms, but that's a cool logo. And I just, I love this because it's, it's for not of this world. But guys, that's, that's our call out to you today. Let's, let's set on mission, not to, not to go back to school or go back to work or go back to after COVID, but let's go back equipped because you're equipped now. I'm, I'm telling you, this Christian life's not hard. Read the Bible, pray to God, have a repentant heart, and everything else works out. We need to be better at this, and we're going to give you guys some time uh, here in a moment to talk about it. So we need to be a go church culture. What does that mean? That means that we need to be willing to go tell others. We need to be better at that as a church by show of hands. I mean, I'm telling you, it was probably 10% of us that were going and telling. We need to be more verbal and we need to live it out by our actions. Jesus said to go tell, act, and be. So let's go tell, let's go act, and let's go be who he is. And then we can change the world. And so right now, uh, if the band would come up, I'll wrap up this part of my, my message. Um, the cool thing is, when we were down at Galveston, after I saw all those pictures, and I'm telling you, this doesn't look super scary to you guys, probably. But if you were there and you could feel the winds, I mean, it was, it was intense. And when you knew that there was a hurricane out there, you knew those currents were, like, really crazy. This dude's out there fishing. No, no, no. Uh, it's kind of funny, but uh, follow me on this. He's way beyond where those riptide sides were. He could easily have been pulled out to sea, but he was experienced. I'm not a fishing, fishing expert or anything like that. This guy's experienced, and he's out there fishing. And so my point to you guys is when you've done an about face, when you've kind of deepened your relationship with Jesus when you've poured into the word 
then you're ready to go fish. And you can keep yourself from being pulled out to that current. But that's between you and God to know when you're ready. That's a whole other message about who your friends are and stuff. I can go down that rabbit trail too. But this is about who we want to be as a culture. We want to go out and go fishing in the rough waters. Because our world has rough waters. And so for right now, I want to talk about being not of this world. So we're going to give you guys two. We're actually, we've actually got a couple more hours. Kidding. We're going to give you guys, seriously, two to five minutes, somewhere in there, as a family or as friends, to talk about what you guys can do in your household to be not of this world, to be different. And then we're going to finish up with worship. And then I think Trey's got a couple of announcements. So that's what we're going to do right now.